But you know, a lot of people ask us, how do you know where God wants you to go? And this is my first reaction. The hardest, most difficult, most dangerous place where they want to cut your heart out and eat it is where you need to go. <laughs> Just assume that and go into fasting and prayer and if God don't want you there, He'll leave you know. Because <laughs> a lot of people approach it from the other way. They approach it from the easiest, most comfortable place, and if God really wants them to go to a real difficult place, we'll have to speak to them. Well, that's giving place to the flesh and not giving place to the Spirit of the living God. I want to just share a couple things with you about being led of the Spirit of God. And as I said, this is going to be a little bit off some of the settings of uh, uh, what Brother David has been sharing. But I'm going to share something with you, a couple different things about my wife and I and our family. First of all, I'm going to share with you how I came to find out I was supposed to marry the beautiful woman of God. I mean, she is good-looking, brother. She loves Jesus. She loves me. And she has gone all over the world with me. She is a good, good woman. <laughs> Man, I'm missing her. <laughs> But my wife, before we were married, had led her brother to Jesus. He was a construction worker, a carpenter. His wife was sick, sick with an eating disorder called, uh, I believe it's anorexia nervosa. Is that what it is? She couldn't hold down food at all. I mean, she was just skin and bones. Of course, she had been trying to get some kind of medical attention, but they had been saved about four months. And even though he worked a long time, when he got born again, he was hungry for Jesus. We all were. And every night before they'd go to bed, he had a couple small children. They would just sit, sit and spend some time just reading a chapter or two from the Word of God, worshiping Jesus. One night they're doing this, and all of a sudden, uh, his wife said, do you see that? My brother-in-law, my wife, they said, what? She said, do you see that man sitting in the chair across the living room? They said, we don't see nothing. They said they could feel the presence of God and they were trembling. And all of a sudden she said, he's showing me my stomach. And she said her stomach turned like upside down in this hand of this angel, and she was instantly healed. The next morning, you all know what chili is? She was eating it for breakfast. <laughs> but at the same time all this is happening, my brother-in-law, who wasn't my brother-in-law back then, got, he was only saved four months, got this impression that, he asked Ellie, my wife, she said, uh, Man, are you supposed to marry Jeff? <laughs> she said, well, you know, of course, I was a good-looking guy. <laughs> so he calls me up the next day at work, tells me everything God did. I says, oh, I'm all excited. That's a blessing. Then he flat out comes out and asks me, are you supposed to marry Ellen? It's quite a question. 
Yeah, I can talk loud enough, I don't need a mic. So we made a commitment to the Lord Jesus to fast and pray about it three days. <laughs> if God's in it, why wait? <laughs> we fasted and prayed three days. I met her at church on a Wednesday. We looked at each other. How do you feel about this? Man, I don't have any bad witness. <laughs> And this next point I want you to understand is extremely important. We went and talked to one of our pastors. I really believe in moving when the Spirit of God speaks to us. But I believe in submission to spiritual authority. And when God speaks to us, He will speak to our pastors, to the men and women whom God has put over our lives. So I went to this pastor who had been a missionary for 16 years in Mexico, and I was really scared. Because most people, you know, they've been going out for a year or so and really know each other really well. So I walked in there. He looked at me. I mean, I'm sweating bullets. And this guy says, what do you want? I said, we want to get married. We want you to marry us. I said, the less I said, the better off I'd be. This man sat back in a chair for five minutes without saying a word. Looked at me and said, I don't feel a bad witness about it when you want to get married. <laughs> I'm sharing this with you because I really believe there is an urgency in the spirit realm. And there's too many people dragging their feet. And we have to move when God says move. And when God tells us to move, He's going to tell those in authority over us that it is time to move. I'd like to share another testimony with you all. Can I do that, brother? Because some people ask us, well, what do your wives do down in Mexico? Well, when we first were down in Mexico, my oldest son started, uh, my wife started taking him to, uh, was it preschool or something like that? before they actually start primary school. And my wife is really an intelligent woman, okay? She's got a degree, some kind of medical nursing thing. I mean, she has homeschooled our children. She's taught everything from reading to physics. She's smart, brother. <laughs> but she has a little bit of trouble with foreign languages. So she'd be walking with these other neighbor ladies in our neighborhood to school. And they'd be asking her, well, what are you all doing here and everything else? And she really couldn't conjugate a verb or change it to past tense. So she was using the infinitive form of verbs while she talked to people. And just put me, uh, me or you or us before it so they'd understand. While she's doing this, she led one of the neighbor ladies, even with her broken Spanish, to Jesus. This woman gets born again, and all she's doing is walking to school with her, taking our oldest son to school. Because, see, a lot of people are saying, man, we need large campaigns or conferences, and they do serve their purpose. 
a church growth comes when everybody in the church realizes it's my responsibility to do the work of an evangelist regardless of what you're doing. Well, not only did this woman get saved, her and her husband owned a little piece of land, had a couple Indians working on that land. And she asked me, she said, say you work with these Nahuat Indians, don't you? I said, I sure do. She said, can you speak a little bit of their language? I said, a little bit. She said, well, maybe you want to go talk to these people. This man's been sick for about four or five years. And really, we're just trying to help them out, give them some money. They're living in a loaded shack out there. So we walk out there. This woman saved less than a week. My wife, speaking Spanish without conjugating a single verb, and me. <laughs> we go out there, we find this man. This man says, I've had bronchitis for five years. I can't sleep at night. He said, I can't even carry a bucket of water from that well to the house. He says, my wife is doing all the work. So we just simply shared the gospel of Jesus Christ. We said, can we pray for you? We prayed for both of them to get born again. We prayed for him to be healed. We walked back there a couple of days later, and here's the man out working. I mean, he's not only carrying water, he's working fields with farm implements and everything else. And he came up and he told me, he said, man, he said, of course, he's brand new saint. He says, you know what I like about your religion compared to the other religion I have? I said, what's that? He says, Jesus is alive in your religion. Jesus heals the sick in your religion. we got to understand, all of us are to be evangelists. I had a brother the other day tell me, he said, man, I really like them leather vests you guys got. So I believe it was Brother David. I told him, I said, yeah, we went into this leather shop in Germany, you know. We all like this stuff. We go in there, and the woman working in there, it's an import shop, speaks Spanish. We found this out, you know, because I'm going nuts. I can't speak German. And I got to witness to somebody. So her Spanish was mas o menos, more or less. We started talking with her, and she started telling me, you know, I've been looking for God for years. She told me all this New Age garbage, deception, and everything. Of course, I didn't tell her it was a demon right off the bat. <laughs> and all this stuff, and I says, I'll tell you right now, you can know the only true and living God right now. You can know Jesus Christ. We shared with her about 10 or 15 minutes. Another girl, customers are coming in there. She prayed with us in her shop during business hours. People coming in and out to know Jesus Christ. Everywhere you go, you're supposed to witness, man. Come on. You know, there's some people, there's Bibles, there's people in the church who say, well, I want the church, the pastor to recognize me and give me a ministry. Man, Get out there, witness, win souls, heal the sick, drive out demons, 
gotta go. It drives me nuts to sit at home. It really does. I have a hard time relaxing. <laughs> it's Jesus. It's in in there. She calls up the pastor's wife and she says, listen, my husband is a rocker. I just told him what happened to me and he wants to come to church. <laughs> All you got to do is open your mouth and tell somebody. Tell somebody. Tell somebody what Jesus has done. Because I'm going to tell you something right now. Only Jesus Christ can heal the wounds of a nation. We spent... I'm going to end right here, brother. I'm sorry. Well, we spent three years in southern Yugoslavia, in Skopje, Macedonia, from 1985 to 1988. And you're all aware of, of, of the hatred, the murder, the violence, and the atrocities over there. At the time that we left, in that fellowship, there were Albanians who had been Muslims, Serbs, Macedonians, who had come from Orthodox. He had a man who had been an international gymnast and a member of the Communist Party, a girl who had been a member of the Macedonian National Ballet. I had come from a Catholic background, and guess what? We didn't kill each other. Even though it was illegal, <laughs> that's another thing. If it's a country where it's illegal to preach the gospel, you need to go. And we would get together and we would worship Jesus. And we'd spend five hours every service because people were hungry for the reality of Jesus Christ. Praise God. Brother David. <laughs> Y'all doing all right? You too. Mm-hmm. You have a good night's sleep? Mine was all right last night, too. Did real well. I went down to the desk this morning. There was a DHL package there for my wife. I didn't even have time to open it yet. I'll get time after a while. Well, y'all believe God can't lie? Me too. I believe that. Uh, you see how intense we are? Brother Jeff is as intense as I am. I'm, I'm like he is with So is Brother Ron. Ron. Brother Ron is more laid back than we are, but he, uh, there's one thing about him. He, he's, he's a stubborn Italian fellow. And, uh, we like that. We like that. It's a stubbornness. But let me tell you something. You, you have to decide. Y'all are, y'all are, y'all are here to, to be ministry. And you are, there are ministries that are here already, uh, functioning and set up. Let me tell you something about working with each other. It's a decision every day to stay working with each other, just like it's a decision every day to serve Jesus. Just like it's a decision every day to stay married. It's a decision every day to walk Walk with your wife in Jesus together. So is ministry a decision to work together. You understand that? I, I, I'm not going to go into the uh, difficulties, but we have disagreed over the years. 
And we get together and we disagree. I allow people, I'm a very strong fella. And I have my opinions and I'll die by them. I believe in commitment. I believe it's right to be committed to the death. I believe that. I personally have been stoned, uh, 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 clubbed, whipped, shot, shot at, beat up. You name it. Left for dead, left in, in, in piles of blood, beat up by terrorists. I mean, it don't feel good. It fears us to take over and try to run you off. But I decide Jesus is right. I decide it's right. It don't feel good for somebody to look at you and spit on you and beat you up and, and you, oh, I'm there, I'm there with words. Oh, look, I don't have any weapon. All I have is words. That's all I've got. The only problem is that the word that I'm speaking is God. That's the problem. So all the devils and all the things that are there hate that word. And so it's gonna, the devil's gonna work <clears throat> on people, especially as tight and as hard as our work is, and as tight as we try to be. We're, I believe, I believe ministry, I've, I've grown up in it, I've seen all all different flavors of it. I believe it's supposed to be family oriented. That's what I believe personally. I believe I am supposed to be. Uh, uh, we're brothers in the Lord, or me and these fellows. But it's my responsibility as a leader to win the confidence of their wives in a good way. You understand that what I'm saying? And it's my responsibility to work on that. And it's my responsibility to address problems when I see them courageously. I mean, I'm very valiant about it. You can ask them. I am. I'll walk right up to them. Uh, Jeff and I, yesterday, we was talking. There was a problem somebody had told me about asking this point blank. I said, Brother Jeff, this is going to be difficult, but this bat, didn't I? And he looked me right in the face and said, that's a lie. I said, okay. As far as I'm concerned, I have so much trust in it. They could, they could deceive me for a few minutes. But God will trip it up after a while if they're deceiving it. Okay? I decide to get up in the morning and worship Jesus. I decide to get up in the morning and love my wife and kids. I decide every day to get up in the morning and walk with these fellow, fellows in the Holy Ghost and do something done for God. you got to listen to me. You're going to have disagreements. You're going to get out there and people are going to really get you mad. They're going to do stuff, some of them on purpose. But what you got to learn how to do, you know, I am, I am what's considered a confrontational person. I, I rather enjoy, I like it. I don't like that feeling when it's anger and, and all that. I don't like that particular part of it. But I like the freedom that's on the other side of it. Lots of people are not confrontational. They'll sit there and smile at you, and the whole time they're in there, a raging animal in there, wanting to kill you. So I try to work on, even though people have different characteristics than I do and attitudes, you better learn this. You'll learn this in the beginning of the ministry. You, you can go and walk and, and get along with people a lot better. Okay? You can. You really can. My wife is a slow burner, what I call a slow burner. She don't, things don't bother her at all. I mean, and they'll put me through the roof. 
Uh, me and I go, wow. And she goes, man, I want that drop you like that. But then after enough of that slow burn, she starts burning and she, when she goes through the roof, she don't quit burning for a while. Do you see a difference here? Me, I ignite immediately, but I burn out pretty quick. She don't ignite, but when you do get her ignited, she don't, she's like that phosphorus. She don't quit burning. She'll just burn right through stuff and burn through something else right on through and, and you try to stop it and hope it'll burn through you too. So you gotta learn how to work with all different kinds of people. If you're gonna work in ministry. Alright? Please take that down and, and do it. And it's not something I can teach you. You have to decide. You have to decide. I can tell you about it. She's like, ah, boy, he's putting too much emphasis on stuff that's that very little matters. Your biggest problem in life is not the devil. Your biggest problem in life is not God. And believe it or not, it's not yourself. It's your co-worker. That is your biggest problem in ministry is your co-worker. I'm telling you that from experience. I, I went down there, you know, to Mexico. Didn't want anything. Just want Jesus. Want to get Indians saved. And I walked right into a bumblebee's nest that was already kicked over. I mean, everybody was singing. Everybody, oh man! I didn't know anything about it. No, my goodness, it ate me up for a while. Let me let you make a decision on just one one issue, okay? We got down there, it was a whole bunch of us new guys and everything, so the minister that we were working in worked it out for us to have a school teacher for our kids. Uh, we were doing homeschooling and everybody kind of, different people had different curriculum, but that doesn't matter. They brought, brought down this lady, uh, and she was really a, a nice lady, good, educated lady with a degree and all that, and that's good. Love Jesus. But the, in the thing that I lived, there were several of our kids, we'd take them over there, my wife would bring them over there in the morning, I'd, I'd be praying, and after a while I'd go get them, and then I'd go to church. And that went on for quite a while. But then one day, I walked over there to get my kids. I knocked on the gate, and nobody answered. I walked on in to go get my kids. The little bitty, it was like an apartment where the little school rooms were set up for the different age kids. So I walk in there, and I look, and laying on the, on the mat, because it's real hot where we are, was this school teacher in a bikini. And she was getting some sun, wanted to be tan. Well, well, that's right or wrong. That, that, you believe how, how you want to. But the top was unbuttoned. And I look, I look at her. She's really nice looking. And I look right over there in the window where my little boy is, and he's watching her. Well, like I told you, I ignite immediately. I don't wait and think about it. If it's wrong, and it's got to do with brothers and sisters in the Lord, we talk about it pretty soon. As far as I was concerned, that was the lust of it, and my little boy was getting taught a lesson that I didn't think he should be taught. If we're going to teach him, I'm going to teach him. And if somebody else going to teach him, especially when there's a woman laying there, and all she's got on is bikini briefs now. You understand what I'm saying? This is in the mission field. This is 
saved people that supposedly love Jesus and they're going to corrupt my son. I don't think so. He trusts those people. Okay. So what do we do? I am nothing. I am just the person that goes and wins souls. And that's the, let me tell you something. That's the best position to ever be in. Alright. Well, what do you do? Real simple. I walk in there. I blew my, I was red. I, ugh. I walked in that real long hair at the time. I walked in there. I got my little boy, gathered up his little books, gathered his little satchel up, put all his little pencils in the thing. And I said, come on, boy. And of course, that's, they heard all the rustling, and, but, but the problem was it wasn't just one of them laying there. It was one of the missionaries' wives laying there also. And she used to be a model in the United States, and she was fairly nice-looking lady. I could not believe it. All right. Do you understand what's going to happen if I, if I take that boy and his little book out of, that, out of there? Do you understand what's going to happen if I don't? Alright, what's more important? My boy. That's him. Them being mad at me, I don't want it. I'm new here. Oh God. Yeah. I've only been there a couple of months. And, 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 and now this. Oh Lord. I don't want to be a troublemaker. I don't. It somehow seems to find me. And it's because I have some commitments that I'm not willing to bend over. I'm just not willing to bend over. There's a couple of things that matter to me in life that I just, well, it's quite a few of them. But in those days, it was more like a few than quite a few. Now there's quite a few. But so what do you do? So I just, I felt bad in there. I, I didn't want this. Uh, with all the people that I'm working with, or from a different part of the United States than I am, and we don't get along because of that in the first place. And, and it's, it's really a, they talk different, they, they have different customs, everything about it is different. And I'm the, I'm the only one there from the south part of the United States, and it just, oh boy, it was rough, y'all. I had a bad feeling about that. But I took little, little Jody, little Jody guy just in the first grade, I took him by the hand, and uh, actually I think it was kindergarten, no, it was first grade, I took him by the hand, took his little books, and I'm walking out of there, and now, now it's like this. They got their bikini tops up like this. Is this out of, this is insane. The man's wife, the man is not even there. And I'm in a situation with a little boy where you have two women in bikinis that are, the straps run buckles, holding them up like this, trying to talk some sense into me. And the husband's not there. Do I smell a rat? Or am I oversensitive? No, I'm not. I'll tell you I'm not. Not about that. I'm not. Some other things I may be. Man, I'll tell you, I couldn't believe it. I walked. I carried that little boy right on out. I didn't even answer him. I just shoot him. And I went home. I went home. I told my wife, well, I mean, I, I went ballistic. But look. I think I'm right. I think women and men are supposed to be in situations chased and holy with each other. I think there's not supposed to be when it when it's different families 
And there, there is going to be situations where, it's, where you're going to pass that it's not a controlled environment and you're going to have to man, maintain a holy attitude. Everybody is. Alright? Had it not been time for me to go get that kid, they might have had an argument. He was too early. To, but you never have an argument when none of the boys sitting there looking at you undressed. Alright? I went and told my wife, she said, well, what are you going to do? I said, fight. I'm going to fight. What are, you going to be, what are you going to go to the husband? Oh, no. I'm going to the person that's my authority. Do you understand? I didn't have a fight with those people anymore. Now, I'm going to the boss, and I'm going to find out what the ministry stand is, and if it is that liberal, I'm out of here. That's a demon. So I go, he said, what? I said, oh yeah, your teenage boy and girl? They were there too. Asked them. So it turned into a mega war, didn't it, Brother Jeff? I mean, it went, it went. I was turned into some kind of perverted demon. Because there was two ladies there that were really good looking ladies, and all they had on was bikini, uh, bikini briefs. Oh, Lord. That is not true. I could give a flip. But what I give a flip about is holiness in the camp. You want to bear fruit for Jesus, you're going to have to do it His way. Alright? I'm telling you, I'm telling you this, it's, it's, it's going to come up in your life. You're going to have to make decisions. But always go to the authority that's over you. Don't try to settle something on your own. But it won't work. And in the long run of life, it was it was found out, and it took several years, I think it was five or six years, for that thing to work itself out, and it was found out that we were right. But it took a while. One decision I made, worked with my, with my co-workers, one decision, took a five or six years to work out a problem. Now, did I hear God or was I listening to the flesh? Talk to me. Okay. Alright. That's a great question. The question was, why couldn't they receive correction? That's true. You, you think, no matter who I am, it doesn't matter who I am, I go to a leader and say, hey, I saw this, 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 and they went and investigated and verified it, right? All right, the problem is, we were from different parts of the world, but not only that, there's this thing called politics. All right, they were from a church of about 6,000 people. You say to me, so what? Well, here's so what. That church happened to be giving all the leaders in our ministry big money every month and buying vehicles for us. Now, what you don't want to do when that's going on is what's called upset the apple cart. Now we're in a political bias. It's wrong. It's a devil. I'll tell you what it is. It's a devil. Politics in the kingdom of God 
is always a devil. Yahoo. Alright. We did. We went. I, I, I didn't actually. I, they went. They told, they told their pastor and go crazy. But it's in the part of the United States where it's upper class people and they think a lot more liberal and they think they have control of everybody. And so I am not even from a known church. I'm a pervert. Yeah, go ahead. They don't get an option whether it's okay. It's a devil, no matter what they say. Oh, come on, man. Yes, they was aware of it. And, and not only were they aware of it, but they defended it. I mean, it went into a five-year battle, I'm telling you. And eventually it turned into sin and we were, we were, we were, God vindicated us. But the relationship was destroyed is the most important thing I'm talking about here. There was tension that was unnecessary. There was problems brought out because of somebody else's liberality, somebody else's liberty. Brought division, contention, and strife. You can't do that in the house of God. Alright? Yes. That's right. That's right. But he still got put in jail for two or three years. Right, that's right. And I, and I want you, I want you. What she's the point she's bringing up is, is very important to you. Is the time in jail worth being right and wrong? Well, you're saying that, but have you ever been in jail? Yeah, I have too, for Jesus. Good. Now, these things are valuable to y'all to understand. They're valuable to this ministry for y'all to understand it, see. And I, I don't, I'm not afraid to talk about it. Because what you need is nuts and bolts to keep the ministry running. You don't need another glaze of pretty paint. What you need is what keeps that thing running. And it's decisions daily to do right. And not to let your, your liberty infringe on somebody else and hurt other people. Alright? I'm viewed as a fairly conservative fellow around ministries in the United States. And I want to be. I want to be conservative. I want people to be nervous and when I'm around. I want that. That's good. It's healthy. It's not a bad thing. I want to be nervous when I'm around conservative people. I want to act right, be right, keep myself above reproach at all times. I want to be. And I'm going to be. I will do it. Okay? Now, let me get started here on something else. I, I felt, I just felt like I had to tell y'all that I, that I don't want anybody to be lost over 
somebody else's liberty. Because I almost fell over it. I almost left the mission field over it. Not, not falling from God, but look at the thousands of people and churches would have been lost over somebody else's liberty. That's not worth it. I mean, the next thing I know, somebody, somebody's, somebody told me that there were some missionaries that are cooking with beer. Well, I personally like the taste of beer. I don't drink it, but I, I used to really enjoy it. And I like the taste of it in certain foods and wines and so forth. I do. I, I do. I personally do. Okay. But like I said yesterday, where we work, that is not a possible scenario. Those people will stumble. So you got, I went to these people. I said, listen, I don't care if you're in the United States and it's around your home church and y'all, y'all cook with me. That doesn't bother me one bit. But here, don't you go to the store and buy another six-pack of beer. Somebody's going to see you. It's going to run. It's going to get to one of our churches. We're going to lose a church over it. Maybe more than one. Boom! Here I am, a manipulating, conniving politician trying to run people's lives now. That is not true. All I was trying to do was look out for the work. For God's work. But it gets blown up into an idea that here David is a perverted manipulator. Right and wrong is not perversion. Don't be so easily offended when somebody's trying to help you help the ministry. You hear me? Take correction. Understand that people that are over you in the Lord are not after you to hurt you and keep you down. What they want is you to be right so you can be more productive in the kingdom of God. And if you don't take that mentality, you will not, you will get mad and quit. Okay? I like talking about sensitive issues. I really do. I like it. Because it's healthy for us. It's very healthy for us. Okay? All righty. Well, guess what I found in the Bible? I found something really important. I was reading along. Go with me to Matthew 21 just for a minute, please. There was this thing I found. It's fresh. It's new. It's from God. It's for today. It's a really amazing verse I found in the Bible whenever I was this morning reading my Bible and study out in Matthew uh, 21, uh, verse 22. It was amazing. I found it this morning. It's really awesome. Matthew 21, verse 22. I was reading this this morning. I mean, can you believe how fresh this is? All things. Whatsoever you shall ask in prayer, believing ye shall receive. Boy, that's fresh today. That feels so good to find that in my Bible. I'm so happy about it. You're talking about a fresh T-bone steak for me. Mmm. Makes me very powerful and hungry and, oh, I want more of it. I want more of that meat of the Word of God. I want to know how. See, see, I met this engineer. He's a guy that worked. Y'all know what Caterpillar is? It's a big company, makes big motors and, 
heavy equipment, all that. Well, there's this guy that, that, that designs their equipment. And, and he's, he, he's probably, I don't know, he's one of the smartest men I've ever met. He, he wouldn't believe this guy. He knows everything. Well, he came down at our work, and he's talking, you know, well, he, send, he sends us hundreds of pounds of bolts and nuts, caterpillar stuff, that just won't tear up. He sent me several boxes. And he says, you are a nut and bolt man. You enjoy keeping things together. So I thought I'd send you all these things that won't ever break. I, I like to fix, because you put a, you, you go in with a too soft of a nut or bolt in a particular situation, it'll shear right off and somebody can die. But if you go in there with the right strength of a bolt and fix it once, you ain't got to worry about it coming apart again. And that's so. That's why it's important for us to understand all things whatsoever you ask in prayer. And you should be asking God for the Holy Ghost to keep you out of political situations in ministry and to keep you healthy and clean and to allow you just to see the vision of God. Because any, I can look in any man's life or woman in here and I can immediately find problems. Things I disagree with. I can run it down. It won't take down pretty good at it. I, I can find it probably in a minute. I can talk to you and then I can find a key word and start walking down that word and you and I will be disagreeing in just a few minutes. I can do that. But I decide to listen to you and find things that we agree on and take that. Okay? That's what I decide to do. I'm serious. That has as much to do with faith and success and survival in the ministry and this verse right here of 21-22 as does laying hands on a dead person and watching them get up. Is making sure that you have yourself put together and that you are not a threat to God's kingdom. Keep yourself in order. Keep yourself in order. That's how you're going to win. And that's not as easily done as it is said. Sometimes. Because it gets quite cloudy sometimes. You can't see the road sometimes. But we work in mountains all the time. I heard Jeff, Brother Jeff talking to somebody the other day and he was telling them, it gets so foggy up in those mountains. You cannot see. You turn your lights off to drive. You get these big cubing, we call them spotlights, with a million candle power of, of strength and you hold it right out your window, right down at the road, and you look down like this to drive. That's the only way sometimes how it is in ministry occasionally. <laughs> you just can't see. So you might as well just take your time, slow it down, don't get in a hurry. It don't matter where you're headed, just take it to a crawl and pick your way out of it, because sometimes you can't tell which road is the right road. Don't take off Tack it up and get another higher gear and run. You're going to crash. Or you'll run off the mountain. Or you're going to run into a busload of people and hurt somebody. There's no reason for any of us to die. Just slow down. Wait a minute. Think about it. What you're doing and where you're headed and what's going on. Okay? Y'all are not shouting me down, but this is good stuff.
You remember that? You say, well, Jesus didn't have these problems. Well, is that so? He had a couple of people in his ministry called the Sons of Thunder. I'm probably one of those. You may be, you know, a more laid-back guy like Luke or something like that, but I am probably considered like a Peter or a son of thunder or something like somebody just really aggressive and sometimes jumps out too quick and goes, uh-oh, I shouldn't have jumped, but you can't go back. So I'm giving you advice. Look, look, look over here with me into Mark. Please, there's a... Mark chapter uh, 3, yeah. Jesus had just got through here in Mark chapter 3 doing a, doing an awesome ministry. Uh, uh, let me, I'll just read some of it for you. He spake, in verse 9, He spake to His disciples that they, uh, that a small ship should wait on Him because of the multitude He's thrown. Look here, verse 10. I mean, look, look at what Jesus was doing. He healed many insomuch that they pressed upon Him to touch Him. Many had plagues, as many as had plagues, unclean spirits. When they saw him, they fell down before him. I mean, get, get, look at the anointing Jesus had. That's what we all want, isn't it? Okay. Well, you get it by getting along with folks. Back about 15, well, let's go back 20 years and back, there was a different God is now changing His church and it's going into a more of a body. It used to, there were these massive individuals and they were, they were statues. They were men, mammoth men that would stand up and be anointed and the whole world would look at those guys. Now they're just a bunch of them and they're all over the place. God, God is not. I'm telling you, He's changing from looking to statue of men back to the Church of God working together for the good of the kingdom. This thing of, of lone wolf and, and being a top dog and a, all of those are American terms. I hope you understand that. But, but it's a, it, it being number one and everybody bow and all of that. There's, you don't build kingdoms of men. You build God's kingdom. That stuff is out the window. And, but there's a lot of people who are still trying to rake to themselves the pleasures of men. Alright. Don't do that. Who is the greatest in the kingdom of God? Alright. How do I, how do I become like Jesus? I'm a servant. Now I've just used a dirty word. Jesus Himself said it. You want to be the greatest in the kingdom of God? You can. Serve. Oh, be it far from me. Well, the anointing left when it left. God don't, I'm telling you, He's not going to take away your money. Sometimes He does, but most of the time He don't. He's not interested in your money. You understand that? He needs money you have to give tithes and offerings and all that to run the church. I understand that, but that doesn't go to God. That go to God's people and God's work. But, I know a millionaire. 
He must have 40 million or 50 million U.S. dollars. This guy here is self-made and he is smart. But if I wouldn't tell you that the man was a millionaire, I, I'll tell you, I brought it, he came into our work once. You know what he did? He, he washed my truck. I, every day I'd get up, he'd be out there washing my truck. Muddy. He'd be under there turning wrenches, getting greasy. These guys all come over to my house. This guy, they never do it. I always bring people down that's very rich. And I never tell them which one it is. This guy served us. He, I mean, you couldn't tell he was a millionaire. He's after God. God didn't take all of His money from him. God didn't even ask him for His money. God asked us to serve. It didn't change His business nor its power. It didn't change His place in society. None of that. God doesn't. That's fine with God that you have that. But it's not fine with God if you have a snout that's that long and you're looking down at His feet. Now that is a demon. You don't have the right to be above anybody. We are all equal in the eyes of God Almighty in the kingdom of God. Oh, Jesus. I don't want to hear that. I want to hear some more miracles. Well, I might just sit down and let you talk. You get miracles by serving God's people. You get the anointing by learning how to serve and when to do it. There's times you have to use authority. You have to, but it's against the devil, not people. Well, sometimes people are, are filled with devils and are listening to a devil. That's true. But it's never the person. It's always the devil you're after. You're not after to hurt or maim or destroy somebody. You're after destroying the devil. Now, I can tell you, I know this. Don't, surely you know, I know that people sometimes raise themselves up just like Judas Iscariot did. You know, he was a thief and all that, but he ran with Jesus. Jesus looked at him and just said, it would have been better for you never have to have been born. Some people, you just have to do that to them. I, we had a guy not long ago. I hand raised him myself. Good, I love it. In my heart, I love this fellow. I, I love him. But he just let pride come. He was a really, he was anointed. He could preach. He could do all those things. But he was filled with pride. Then one day he come and said, I'm taking over. I just hung my head and shook it at him. Because with a teacher, you have to be real careful. Because they teach you what they want you to know. They don't always teach you everything they know. Just be real careful with people. He went up to the United States. He, he defamed us. He talked. He, oh, it got really rowdy. We didn't do nothing but keep preaching. Preach, 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 preach. Finally, they called me up. These big shop people. We gotta to talk to you, brother. Oh, that's okay. I'll be up. We get up there to the big meeting. This guy is sitting over there. He's the most humble, beautiful young man you've ever just weeping. I love you, brother David. And in front of those mighty men, he was portraying an innocent, 
humble person. But in, with us, he was portraying a Gadarean demon. All right, this is politics at its max. I looked him right in the face. I said, you're a conniving thief. The Lord Jesus rebuke you. Here's the grievances we have against you. We'll them off. And I told those men of God, y'all judge? They judge for him. Because I am so dominant and so strong. I folded up my papers. I said, okay. I can receive it. I can do whatever you say. And I will. Don't ever get so strong that you can't take correction whether it's right or wrong. Because men can be deceived. But God will justify and vindicate if you give Him a chance and still love those men that are wrong. Now then, that's stuff we don't like to do. I didn't like it no more than you did. I was furious. And I am not the kind of person that will leave you if I've got something to say, I'm going to tell you and I'm going to get out of my system. I don't want it. I don't want to carry it around with me. It's excess demon baggage and I don't want it. I want it out of me. And I looked him right in the face. I said, let me tell you why y'all are wrong. They told me what I was going to do. And I said, okay, I will do that. But now let me tell you what's going to happen to you because you're wrong. And I told them. And they said, we'll live with it. And I said, okay. We left. I wept for 200 miles. God, I was heaving. It was wrong. You want the anointing? Keep yourself innocent. I'm going to prove that in just a minute. You want the anointing? Keep yourself faithful to God. Okay? You want the anointing? You keep an excellent spirit about you. All right. Time goes by. They uh, they literally allow this guy to take charge of a division of ministry. I would have never given him. Uh, to this day, I wouldn't have given him that stuff. I wouldn't have done it. And he goes over here in Europe to 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 Russia. And I mean, it's this big fanfare they put. I'm not talking about small amounts of money here. I'm talking about he was running for them over 175,000 U.S. dollars in campaigns and, and starting up churches and, oh, I just was grieved when I heard that. But there was a man over here that was, he was working under. Well, God spoke to this fellow that used to work with us. And it was contrary to the way they were usually doing things. So the leader said, hey, I, he went to him and knocked on his door and said, hey, I heard you, you was going to change up this, this, and this. He said, you can't do that. You, you're affecting, you're affecting a hundred leaders here. And it's in the wrong way. It's not the right way. He said, you're listening to the devils. Get out of my house. Immediately, there was chaos. All of that money was, what's this? Lost. Lost. Where'd it go? I'm sure it's in some bank account somewhere drawing pretty good interest. There was only eight pastoral families 
better now backslid because of that one, one incident. All of that money is lost. And all of those churches that we're going to be starting, they are not, they are not started today. He went to the leadership that I had, where I had had the meeting, right? And looked at him in the face and said, all of y'all are demons. And left. Okay. Yeah, we won. But what did I win? I didn't win a thing. What happened to the kingdom of God? Destroyed. All right. That same fellow has jumped ministries now, nine of them. He got, I wish I could tell you names, but I won't. He went to this large ministry that trusts me to the max. He said, I'm here, I'm God's man of the hour, I'm filled with power. He said, I understand you have trouble with uh, David Hogan. He said, oh, that's a thing of the past, brother. We've got it all worked out. Hallelujah. So he called me on the telephone. I've been told you got it all worked out. I said, hey, he's out of my hands. You guys got it. As far as I'm concerned, I don't own him. I don't have a thing against him. Hey, do whatever you want to with him. All right, then I want a letter of, re- of reference from you. I said, I can't do that. I said, our ministry cannot stand behind the guy. I said, you make a phone call to this other ministry, and they'll tell you what happened just recently, but I won't give you a letter of reference. So this very powerful individual stood up and slapped his hands. Well... It got, I mean, I mean, when you're dealing in this kind of politics, these are the big boys. And these guys said, no, we're going to take him in. Somebody else, we're going to help him, we're going to bless him. He has jumped ministry nine times. Listen to me. Don't bring chaos to the kingdom of God. You are here to bring peace. Listen to me. Please be able to take correction. You want the anointing of God, it doesn't come through chaos or confusion. Or disagreement. Or contention. Or strife. It comes through submission, faithfulness, discipline, loyalty, and covenant. Okay? Look here at Mark 3. You got demons falling down at Jesus. That's what we want. You got every kind of healing that there is. You got all this authority raking back and forth. Oh, that's what we want. Brother David, please quit talking about all this trouble. Wake up. The same demons that are trying to destroy this great country are trying to destroy the kingdom of God. The the division and and chaos that's in politics is in the house of God. You've got to decide not to let it get you. You've got to decide to do what the Bible says no matter what the devils are telling you. You have to. It, 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 look, look here. And the demon that God was talking, Jesus was talking to the demon there in, in verse 11 and uh, 12. He said, he straightly charged him. Shut up. All right. Now, look at verse 13. He went up into a mountain, Jesus did. He discharged the people, dispersed them, and, and, and he went up into a mountain. And, and, uh, and I want you to know, if you want the anointing of God, 
you're going to have to listen to God's voice. You're going to have to figure out the difference between God's voice and the devil's voice. And I'm telling you, sometimes they're so similar that you can't hardly tell the difference. When Jesus was tempted, what did the devil use on him? Scriptures. You think you're better than Jesus? I wouldn't think so. And let me tell you something else. He knows his father's voice, but the devil was using God's word on him. <laughs> It'll happen every time you get into a battle. I'm telling you, church, you got to learn to hear Jesus' voice. If it doesn't, I would say most of the time it won't agree with what your emotions are telling you. Not always, but most of the time, your emotions are, 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 you feel something in you that's an emotional thrust that's coming from a direction, and I would say most of the time that, that, that emotion is spurred by the devil. It's stirred up by the devil. That's why you have to go and find, if you can, in the Bible, a situation that, that, that's similar to what you was into, and you have to fall on the, on the name of Jesus, and you have to call on the name of Jesus, and you have to go to Him for mercy and grace, because He said directly, My sheep hear my voice. And when you have two men that's in conflict, and they're listening, and both of them are saying, It's Jesus, who's right? I'm going to give you a hint. You listen to both sides carefully. What you're looking for is furtherment of the kingdom of God. Which voice is trying, which voice is selfish? Which voice is, is me and mine? What did Solomon look for when he had that sword in his hand going to slice that baby in half? The one lady said, okay, let's do it. The other lady said, no, no. No, that's not... No, I would rather her live. Not bad. I'd rather my child live. Even though it won't be in my arms. Solomon said, there's your mama. All right. These are very important hints on how to figure out which is the voice of God when they both sound right. And sometimes... But on the short term, both of them are even talking about the furtherance of the kingdom of God. What you've got to figure out is God does everything with eternal purpose. Alright? Eternal purpose. Eternal purpose for the kingdom of God is what you're looking for. Okay? I don't have to sit and I'll listen to people fight. I mean, they, I mean, choke you. They crash into each other. And I listen for the voice that's looking for eternal forgiveness and furtherance of the kingdom of God. That's the voice I'm looking for. It's not who's my friend and who's not. Those things cannot be brought into the picture. Because you go doing that, we're talking politics again. Let me say two things to you. Ready? Friendship is never the Holy Ghost. You know, here's something else. Kinfolk is never the Holy Ghost under any circumstances. 
Never. If you do things because you love somebody, that is not the love of God, that is the love of the flesh. You have to do it out of your, your judgment has to be out of the love of the kingdom of God. And if that person loves you like you think they do, they'll eventually submit to the, to the kingdom of God. Okay? Jesus is calling us. Look at, look, look at Mark 3, verse 13. Jesus went up to a mountain. And look, look at that next phrase. In my Bible it says, He called unto him whom he would. Alright. Jesus has called you and I. We are called. That's why we're here. We're called. I want to, I want to just encourage you. You have done the first step. You have obeyed the call and you have responded. You're in a good position. Now I suggest another thing. Listen to a guy like me. I have nothing to gain by what I'm telling you. I, I want you to understand that. I could do better just by preaching some fiery, exciting message to you. But I want you to survive. I really want the kingdom of God fathered here. And the way to get that is get people to understand your biggest enemy in life is going to be people you work with. The devil, we know where he's at almost all the time. I mean, you, you can basically look in the Bible see what's right and wrong about where the devil is standing, right? I mean, come on. No, almost anybody can read you and just about figure that out. But when you're looking at two men that are, they're, they're both going, I love Jesus. You look at them, you know. But then they turn and look at each other and I mean, their faces change, you know. I mean, all right. But you're in pretty good position here. You've, you've heeded the call and you've come. I'm so thankful that finally one day I submitted that call and I decided I'm going to do it. It just lit, it brought on a whole bunch of, of more new things to fight, but it took a lot of weight off of my shoulders. Okay, now I start walking in the calling. All right. What are you called to do? Somebody tell me what you, I'm not talking about uh, necessarily a, a place on the planet or an administration job or something like that. What are you called to do? What is your, what's the object of your calling? Souls, preaching Jesus. Yeah, that's all right. But it's all wrong. That's right. Look at the next phrase. I mean, there, there is a line up here of things that I believe if we will fall on this, this is simple, simple teaching, but it'll, it'll stand under you through ministry. It'll, stay, it'll hold you up in ministry. I'm after success for you. I want you built in a foundation that will not move. So I'm going to tell you, I am the most, one of the most soul-oriented people. I want souls. Ah, I ain't happy if I ain't winning people to Jesus. I, I'm just not. I've got to have it. I've got to have it. But that's not my most important life walk. My most, the most important thing you do in life is the presence of God.
I don't put this here challenge out to you. Take people that don't believe this, give them 15 years and they won't even be in ministry. I'll cut it down from there. Let's give them seven years. They won't be there. But you take a person who believes that they are called and their number one priority in life is to stand every day and worship Jesus the King. And they're spending time every day, regardless of how hard it is, because my days get pretty long sometimes. Well, man, it's hard. But I'm still up in the morning. Whatever time I calculate I'm going to get rest, I always add in time to sit with my Bible on my knees, reading it and praying to heaven and worshiping Jesus and communing with Father God. If you don't do that, you're out of here. Because that is the number one... People say, well, preaching, well, casting out devils, well, healing the sick, those are important, but they're not number one. Your number one thing is staying alive. So you can preach and cast out devils and heal the sick. And I'm not talking about a physical staying alive, but I am... It is there also. I'm talking about your spiritual life must be maintained every day. How far down the motorway would you go without petrol? Somebody answer that for me. You wouldn't, would you? So you have to go by, what do y'all call gasoline stations? Uh, Petrol stops or whatever. Yeah, you just go in there and, and every day, you don't even think about it. When you need fuel, what do you do with that car? You go by there and you pay the price, don't you? Like, you may be grudgingly sometimes because it's so high, but you give them the money and you get what you go and that car's motor runs. How do you think you can go day in and day out without refueling yourself? You cannot. But Brother David, all I'm doing is just sitting there wasting time reading a book. If that's how you feel about it, I suggest you leave right now. That book is the most powerful weapon there is on the planet. And the fuel of the Holy Ghost and the anointing cannot be matched either. And you will not get the anointing of God without spending time with Jesus. You won't. That's the number one thing. Jesus called them. And they came. You, you have, you have uh, really, you're doing good. You are, because you came. You see that in there? You obeyed the voice. Then you ordained them for reasons. What are, what, are, what are the purposes? Well, the very first thing is to be with Jesus. That is your number one priority of ordination from God, is to spend time with Jesus. It says right here in my Bible, and He ordained them, and there's a comma that says, that they should be with Him. Look at that. It says it right in there. Isn't it funny how you read over stuff and you can't see that? Until somebody shows you, it's fair, isn't it? Number one reason for ordination is to be with Jesus. I'm telling you, it's to spend time with the King. He desires you. He loves you. Oh. And I'll tell you what, I've done this for 20-something years now. Every day that I'm home, my kids and I 
get up early. My children, the littlest, when they were littlest babies, my wife would get them out of the little bassinet or crib or whatever it is, bring them in there and lay them at my feet while I worship Jesus. What about their rest? They don't lose any rest. They'll go back to sleep in a minute. But since they're little bitty babies, now I have a 25-year-old man you should see, you should get around him. His number, you know what he does every morning with his wife now? They get up, they walk wherever they are, it doesn't matter. And they sit down and they read the Word of God together. He's done it his whole life. And that's something. I've taught them the number one priority is not fancy clothes and cars. It's Jesus. It's the presence of Jesus. And I'm telling you, that's why Jesus has ordained you. He's called you apart. And it's not to be... You may be very famous and you may be very anointed, but your most important project is time with Jesus. You are ordained to be with Jesus. That's number one. That's number one. And if you don't, you won't be successful. You will for a while. You can run on fast energies for a while, but in a minute that old battery is going to run dead. And you'll be one of the ones somebody's trying to restore. There's no need for that. There's a need for you to recognize and see, I need Jesus. I need Jesus. Because life's going to, I'm going to share it tonight. I am going to let y'all see just how battered of a human being I am. I'm going to talk about some of the problems tonight. Seriously. But I'm also, you're going to hear me give you the victory. And it's not because I am so much better than anybody else. It's because I recognize my priorities are to spend time with Jesus. What's the next thing? Oh, the next thing is being sent out to preach. Well, I thought that was, I thought that was what I'm here to do. Oh boy. You are, but it's second. You are, but it's second. You can't preach to someone else and have enough life to give them if you yourself is in trouble. What did Paul say? Paul said, I have preached, oh, I pray to God that I myself do not become a castaway. Didn't he say that? Now, I don't want to go down through here for 35 years and, and God, 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 and all of a sudden let it cool off and miss, miss my appointment with Jesus and become a castaway, and millions go in, and I become a castaway. Oh, what a... Oh, oh man, no, please, God. Uh, I'm going to see the need. I'm going to have the fear of God in my heart. I'm going to understand that I'm a human just like everybody else, capable, susceptible to mistakes and failures. I need Jesus. I need Jesus. I got up this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Uh, I looked right up to heaven. Thank you that it's another day to worship you. And I ask you for the grace to walk it out and talk only of the glory of God. Every day it's the same way. I'm telling you, you have to get it, make a decision, and you have to decide to seek Jesus. In the very beginning, I had a hard time. Because I was working a job, I was working 12 hours a day, plus I was preaching and going around and doing different things. And boy, it got tough. Real tough. I told my wife, I said, I think it's right. I said, my mom and daddy trained me. 
Every morning, early, before school, I was sitting in there with my parents, and we all had to read a chapter, and Daddy would pray. And I told her, I said, I, I think he's right. So right in the beginning days, God led us to be right. I didn't know all this stuff I'm telling you now. It just was right. And I would sit down for 15 minutes. I thought it was a miserable end of time. It was so long. I got 15 minutes. I'd read a chapter in about five minutes. What did I do for 10 minutes? I love you, Jesus. I mean, what else did you say? I mean, I mean, boy, that was rough. 15 minutes. But then 15, if it can, to flow into 20, 30, and I begin to see time I needed. And then it went on in. Now, I can sit a whole day and worship Jesus and not even recognize it's going by. Isn't that something? I love Him, I tell you. And He, lo- and he loves to spend time with me. Now, the, the, the amount of work I do and the schedule I'm on, I don't get to do that all day stuff very often. But when I get to, I enjoy it. But I do schedule God in my life. Oh, Brother Dave, that don't sound right. That don't sound right. But if you don't do it, you won't get along in God. I mean, how do, who do we think we are scheduling in a king? You know what I'm saying here? Well, that sounds pretty rough. But I would suggest you going at it from that approach in the beginning. Because you can go, I mean, you can ask Pastor. We'll be riding down the road. I'm always praying in tongues. I'm always telling them, ask him. <laughs> ask the guy. I've got, play, I've got music playing, and I'm, somebody's talking about something stupid in my truck. I turn it up a little louder. They get a little louder. So, so finally, I ended up putting a 100 watts amplifier in my truck. In my truck is a 100 watt amplifier. And these guys get in there, four or five of these people. I don't want to hear that American junk. They got all these dumb fads and new stupid doctors. I don't want to hear it. So I'll turn up something really good. I'll put on that, uh, uh, that uh, holy fire tape. I love that thing. I done, I done wore two of them clean out. And I turn that thing up, you know, holy fire. Ooh, I like holy fire. And then people talk louder. So I'll crank that hundred up. Ah, they shot them out. So I just drowned them out. After a while, they get the message, I don't want them talking in my truck. I want to worship Jesus. I can care less about the stupid doctrines. I want Jesus. I want Jesus. I want Jesus. I want time with Jesus. I want Jesus. That's all that's important. And I didn't mean that. Because he ordained me, number one, to spend time with him. Number two is preach. And number three is, is to heal the sick. And number four is to cast out devils. Y'all see it in there? Y'all see that in there? All right. Now, it's right in there. It really is a little list there. It's in there. Okay. But Brother David, I don't want to cast out devils. I want to heal sick. Okay, spend time with Jesus. That'll be done. Get things prioritized. Get them right. Get them in line right. This is not a formula, but what it is is a lifestyle. You get your life into Jesus and worshiping God and, and praising and worshiping the King, and it, those that preaching will come automatic. 
and that, and that healing of the sick will come automatically for you. Because you'll be so encouraged, so filled with the Holy Ghost, so ready to do it, people will wonder, what happened to him? Every time I come back from Mexico, every time I get back to the United States, people look at me and say, what happened to you? Every time my answer is, I've been with Jesus. Next time you see me, I won't be like I am now. I'm going to be different because I'm going to spend time with Jesus. And the more time you spend with Jesus, the less of you is there, the more of Him comes. Now, you sound like this is law. This is a pleasure. It's not law. This is an opportunity not everybody has. And I'm thankful He went out of His way and died for me and brought me in, called me, appointed me, anointed me, and now lets me spend time with Him to go preach, heal the sick, and cast out devils. It's in there, isn't it? Now go with me to Daniel, please. Jesus. Y'all feel how aggressive I am about this? It's, the reason is because I've been in ministry now for a long time, and, and I want y'all to understand that in the ministry in Mexico alone, not counting the time I was a preacher, a pastor before I went to Mexico, listen to this. In Mexico alone, there's been something like 72 missionary families that have come and left. In just our ministry alone. And that, you hear that? That is more families than is represented in this room right here. Now listen to me. Why couldn't they stay? Oh, there's a thousand reasons. Some of them were devils. Let's just put that. Let's put there's a certain percentage of them. They were just devils. They was down there hunting glory and gold seeking. They weren't after Jesus and helping somebody else. And yet those kind of folks don't last. The water starts boiling and the slightest amount of heat gets plowed to the water. Soon they're gone. Then there's some of them that are planted, but they're planted on rocks and shallow dirt. Now I'm in Mark chapter 4, you know. That's where I'm at. They're parable of the sower. But there's some of them that do good. They stay and they, some produce 30, some 60, some 100 fold. Alright. Most of the people, it's a husband-wife conflict that is the reason they leave. The biggest percentage, though, of why people leave, it's co-worker conflict. Co-worker conflict. The second, second is money, and the third is marital problems. Isn't that something? So the reason I'm hitting you on all these things is because you'll understand from the beginning... That your job is to seek God and get along with people, get along with your your wife, and trust God for the money. You move those three out of the way, and you got what we are. The ones of us that's left. Those are the three main problems. Right there. But the number one reason people leave... Look, let, let me tell you, like, there was a missionary that we went to Haiti... And he lost. He was defeated over there. And he left. Mad. Frustrated. And there's an old preacher friend of ours that's got a big old giant church. He took him under his wing. Started restoring him. Sent him to another country. Same thing happened. He brought him back. Well, he lost twice. 
Well, you usually don't get third time at that, you know. But this old preacher took him under his wing, started taking care of him, and brought him into his church. And now he is a, he is a mission, minister to missions, of, you know, missions pastor. And I was mad at that. I went to that head pastor. I said, what? That's a loser. That man is a loser. What's he doing heading up y'all's mission? And he, they're good friends of mine. I, I have the right to talk because we have great rapport. And I said, what's that loser doing? Boy, I was mad. Here we are, lifers, giving, you know, giving it up, giving it up and staying and putting up with all the garbage the devil dishes out. And here, people you highly respect and love and trust has got a loser for an administrator. Ugh. I was mad about that. And he came, he tried to open relations with me, and I, I didn't say nothing to him. I just kept the wall up. I just looked at him. I'd let him talk, and I'd walk off. See you later, baby. I just didn't agree with that stuff. I was in a conference with him a few years ago. God said to me, you'd be that man if it wasn't for my grace on you. I need you to serve him. Now you get up there and repent to him. I said, I ain't doing it. Look at chills on me. It's scary even to tell you about it. <laughs> I was mad at him. A loser trying to lead lifers that have laid their life and bled and hurt and you understand? I mean, I don't agree with that. That's right. God immediately spoke to me. I didn't ask you to agree with him. I told you to get up there and repent to him. Look at chills on me. I, I, I was mad. <laughs> Well, I said, I laid over to my wife and said, God said, we need something I ain't going to do. She looked at me and said, oh, yes, you are. It don't matter what it is. My wife's really, what would be the words for a woman? I don't want to use the word. It might be a wrong word over here. She's really aggressive with me sometimes. Well, I said, okay. I walked straight up to him. I mean... He's ministered in the prayer line, you know, and there's thousands of people down there. I walked right up to him, grabbed him by his tie, pushed him up against that platform. Platform's real big. I said, let me tell you what. I don't agree with what I'm fixing to tell you, but God told me I had to do it. Now, I forgive you for being a fool. First of all, I rebuke you for failing. But I'm going to have to let it go, and I don't want that. He was just... <laughs> I said, listen, man. I don't want you to take this personal, but I have hurt. I have hurt out in the gospel. I have bled. I have given my life and watched dozens of people like you walk off and leave me alone. And I don't like it. It feels bad to me. And he grabbed me and just started weeping. Thank you, Brother David, for being honest with me. And I said, listen, Rick, you've got to understand something, son. I am really not... Personally, I like you as a person, but I have a hard time with people that turn their back on these nations. They need us. And, and, and I know that the reason you left is because of worker conflict and people that wouldn't help you. And I understand that, but I don't understand them going to hell because you wouldn't get over some swallow some pride. I said, but I'm going to forgive you, but you got to help me with it. He said... 
thanks for being honest. I will, I will gain your respect. I said, okay. And over the years, he has worked hard on it, and so have I. And now we're really good friends. All right, watch this. He came to our work in Guatemala. We're down there, right? And I'm sitting there, and, and you don't, you're going to laugh. You're not going to believe this. But it's true. What do you think the biggest conflict in missionaries is over? This is proven. Come on, be spiritual with me. Talk to me. Why do you think ministers fight so much? Come on. Come on, God. Jealousy, jealousy, pride. Great answers. You know that section over there is after you people. What are y'all doing? You wishing this would get over so you can go home? Peanut butter. Uh, that makes you sick to your stomach. Mayonnaise. Cheese. Those are the top three things that cause the fight. 